my name is Anoa Changa. The Way with Anoa. for joining me on this edition of the way of noah um welcome to 2017 welcome to the other side right uh here we are uh thank you to everyone who has been liking subscribing um who you know everyone who comes over from binge channel and checks in those of you who have found my channel and and, and check in and watch there as well if you if you happen to see the stream live on facebook because we're doing that now too you know so much going on here with progressive army um yeah, so thank you. Thank you guys for liking, subscribing, sharing videos, commenting, engaging. Shout out to folks on Twitter and on Facebook who regularly engage us up. And shout out to the patrons. Yo, y'all are like starting me to get, get, get me up to like real level status here. Appreciate you so much. Pretty soon I'll be able to break my producer off something monthly once we finish paying um, all the different monthly fees and upgrading equipment and things like that. But you guys are awesome. So I had three new patrons this week that I just want to shout out because I think the, the last ones I shouted out last week were Natalie and Katie and I think it was Sarah and a couple other people. So thank you, everybody, from last week's batch. This week we had, this past week, we had Rachel W., James, and Max. Max is such a good name. I have a Max in my life. He's awesome. He's 13. He thinks he knows everything. But you know. And, but it's 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 all good. Um, happy New Year! Yeah. So one of the things I was just thinking about, like going into the New Year, I know like everyone's like, oh my god, but not everyone. A lot of us have been like, 2016 was such a crap year. Oh my god, shitstorm, so much happened. Blah blah blah. I stumbled upon something over Christmas when I was visiting my mom in, in, in down in Florida. Um, she was talking to me about doing a ten year plan, and. I feel like I'm kind of behind eight ball because she did her first 10-year plan when she was like 27, right? I'm 35, haven't done my 10-year plan yet. Uh, you know, life life is wild when you're raising kids and trying to work and live and breathe, right, guys? So, but anyway, but she when she showed us, she showed me my brothers her first 10-year plan that she did. And it was very simple, um, just, you know, kind of like goalposts for herself in various categories. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but I stumbled upon this article about doing a mind map for 2017. I was like, oh, what's this? You know, because like like time management, trying to keep up with everything that we have going on. Because that's one of the things we talk about, right? It's really hard for us to get involved. We're already, we're living, we're working, we're caring for, you know, some of us are caring for small children. Some of us are caring for elderly or sick parents or other loved ones. You know, some of us are working multiple jobs. There's so much going on. And yet we're still trying to find our way to be connected to the work that we feel needs to be done in terms of whether it's building out this progressive movement, if you're a part of the, res the, the, the not the resistance, <laughs> but you know, like, like, like really getting involved with organizations, getting involved out in your local community. But I was just thinking about how do I manage, like helping to manage my kids, my teens, right? With their schoolwork and stuff like that. So this mind map seemed really cool. So I highly recommend it. I'll tweet out the link after the show because I couldn't find it um, for that's just year I was talking, but like it was a very cool exercise that I did with my sat down and did with my sister who's in college, my daughter who's in high school, and I'm actually not finished with buying it because I'm so busy like looking at what they did. 
But like basically, you know, you, you have your 2017 in the middle or whatever, and you kind of like with spokes, like bicycle spokes, you know, put different issues in, or categories or areas of development or improvement or things you want to do. And it just kind of helps serve as a guidepost. And I think that whether you do it for personal reasons, professional reasons, um, you can do like a, just a big general one for your life and have professional, personal health, faith, things like that. Or you can even do it for the work that you're involved in with your organization or organization you're starting or or whatever the case may be. I just I just thought it was just so great to get it on paper. Again, I'm trying to finish mine so I can catch up because the girls did a really good job there. We, you know, we just got some poster board and we got a little silly with it, some cool colored Sharpies and stuff. And it was a great just little activity for us to do when we were off um, this past weekend. And I really feel like I have a sense of clarity that maybe I didn't have, you know, previous years. You know, I was like, I'm not going to waste my time doing resolutions and things like that. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to just do this. I'm just going to set the guideposts and just try to have these guiding my life. And I think the same thing can be said for the work that we're doing, you know, in terms of everything that's going on, whether it's us here at Progressive Army, you know, this is what we're trying to do. And so I just I just wanted to share that. The other very cool thing that I wanted to share, shout out to everybody that gave me show um, show suggestions, right, to binge watch while I was sick over the past couple of weeks. You know, I had asthma flare-up, been sick off and on, medication, just, just back and forth. But finally, finally on the mend. Fingers crossed that with this funky kind of sort of winter weather we get down here in the South, I don't get something else. But anyway, but shout out to everybody. So I wanted to share my little list of, of new shows I found. Uh, found Black Mirror is interesting. Um, if you want something that's light, don't watch Black Mirror. Uh, but it was very cool. Uh, really good social commentary, I think, overall. And the episodes definitely have you thinking. Some of them are kind of dark. Some of them are kind of like there's some levity there. Um, just finished watching also Colony. My dad was my dad was like, have you watched Colony yet? Have you watched it? Colony was so good. If you liked um, uh, Fallen Skies, you'll definitely like Colony. Uh, so so kind of going to the light side. Chewing Gum. Chewing Gum is a Netflix original. Um, loved it. British show. Loved it. Season two is coming out, I think, next week. Um, and then another show we just watched, and I can't remember the name. It just slipped my mind. But it's about two young women who are demon hunters. Another British show that's also on Netflix. Just started watching that with my daughter. So a lot of good stuff going on. And we started rewatching Some Girls, which is on Hulu, which was really, really awesome. Um, you probably can find everything digital someplace or whatever. But but I just want to share this. Just kind of keep it light because they're really, it, it's okay to unwind. It's okay to decompress. It's okay to take a step back and say, <sighs> I'm just going to sit here. Um, it's so rare when we actually have those moments to do so. So relish them when you can. Now, now to, to kind of the real stuff that's been going on, right? Like we have a Congress that is a, uh, kind of lost his damn mind in some ways, right? So Ben already talked about earlier, you guys have already seen about, you know, the the, the, the tussle of the ethics thing. What I thought was interesting about that whole conversation, because one of the points I personally kept raising on Facebook and on Twitter or anyone I talked to about this was, what are we angry about and what are we protecting? And I really think that we need to keep this in mind as we keep moving forward, right? Oh my God, the Republicans did this. This is awful. Okay. Agreed. Agreed that the way they go about stuff is grimy and it's counterproductive and it's counter-democracy. But what are you actually getting upset about? Are you upset because they did something? Because like we end up defending things that maybe have issues. Maybe it doesn't have an issue. But 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 do you even know what you're getting upset about? And I and I found so many people trying to struggle to explain what this this, this committee actually even did. 
and what were the criticisms for and against it, right? Like, like we were so caught up polarized on what the Republicans did wrong that, you know, and we need to be careful because you may end up defending something or be defending people who probably don't need your defense. Not saying that that was the case in this case. Um, what I thought was really, really awesome out of all of this, despite my own little, you know, I can be a contrarian at times, but despite all that, what I thought was really good though, was like people like Zephyr Teach Out, others were encouraging people to call to express, you know, their, you know, their displeasure. And I really do think, I I, I agree with this though, because like the, the way the decision-making process occurred and what was done was not okay. But as we, we've seen, I myself dug it up, other people have tweeted it out today, I tweeted it out yesterday because I was ahead of them because they suck. But anyway, um, you know, uh, uh, Democrats, including some members of the CBC themselves in 2010, two years after the committee was formed, themselves had issues with um, with the committee. You know, they, they raised some concerns about kind of the, 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 the scope and range of the power. So so this isn't this wasn't just a one sided thing. There have been issues with it before now, but it was really the method in which the Republicans went about making you know the decision to do what they did. Um, I think that was really problematic. But, but shout out to that for teach out because one of the points that she stressed, I saw there was a, there was a post from her on Facebook earlier that I thought was really awesome when she said like you know kudos to everyone that called in. You know people are like oh Trump stepped in and told the House Republicans not to do that. Um, I think the Republicans were more worried about the people who were calling their offices. So kudos to everyone who's calling DC offices, calling your local offices. You need to do more of that. Do that weekly. The next big fight coming up is healthcare, and I'm about to get to that real quick before before my guest comes on. But 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 we 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 need to do more of that because as we've seen, you know, there was that whole long tweet stream. It's a story five. It's it's a it's a, it's a medium post, I think, about that that calls that they respond most to calls. And if that's all you can do is make a, a, a short call, hi, my name is. Please do. I'm in your district. Please do not do this because you will be removed. Because remember, the house is up. In 20, this is 2017. Mid next year, we'll be having midterms. So all them people that is driving us nuts right now, they about to go out in another year and a half anyway. Right. So that brings me to the healthcare healthcare battle. And they're not wasting any time yet again. This time, unfortunately, you know, they Republicans in Congress have a majority that they didn't have before. Um, you know, Democrats, you only have yourself to blame for that. Um, all this talk about real Democrats. I don't know that you actually have the numbers. I don't know who real Democrats are because people who keep saying that we're the only real Democrats, y'all keep losing elections because you clearly don't have enough of the population behind you. So you really should rethink that mindset. Um, if we're going to really save, you know, any bit of piece of, of something as we continue to move forward. Um, one of the things I know we, a lot of us talk about the ACA which is his actual name, the Affordable Care Act. We can debate whether it's affordable. And let's, you know, the affordability point, a lot of it is because of either the recalcitrance of, of governors to actually implement programs, or um, it's also, you know, it's a recalcitrant of, of governors to, to implement programs that would actually, or to, to fully enable and adopt the ACA in their states. It's also the insurance companies. The insurance companies in the lo insurance lobby um, have made this a very expensive process for everyone. I mean, this was this was set up to benefit insurance companies. So the, the real mechanism and issue, like we're talking about affordability and issues with our healthcare, it has to do with the insurance companies and the insurance lobby, not necessarily the law itself. The law itself does have a lot of holes. It does have a lot of problems and it does need to be fixed. But to have, you know, the brashness where people just want to ax it entirely, 
puts a lot of people and lives in danger. Um, and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, you know, when you just look at what people get, especially those with pre-existing conditions, whether it's diabetes, heart conditions, things like that, when people do not have access to treatment or their medication, it can be it can be very severe, it can be dire, and it can be fatal. And when you have people who are uninsured and they're not able to get treatment, they 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 unfortunately have to put off treatment for longer periods of time. And then they're being seen in emergency departments. And guess who bears the burden of treatment in an emergency room? We do. And we all know that things like aspirin, right? Aspirin, just basic stuff that, that people could have gotten ahead of time preventatively. When they get it at a later date and when they're in the emergency room, the price is astronomical. So one way or another, we are paying for people's health care. And it's better to do so on the front end than to do so later on at a high marked up price. Counties. I mean, we're looking at we're looking at overburdening in some places our county systems even more than they already are. So this we need people. You need to get on the phones. It doesn't matter who you voted for or whatever. You need to be on the phones. Move on has been sending out, um, you know, some tweets and stuff like call your congressperson, call your senator, because the Senate there. And it's not just Republicans. Because I'm about to go in on somebody right now. Because who who my former governor, senator, current senator. Joe Manchin, son of native son of West Virginia, patron saint of the current governor. That's a whole nother story. But who who refused to meet with the president? We meet with everyone else in the president today to talk about you know the health care reform. He he refuses, and and West Virginia is one of the places that will be very severely hit if you remove the protections that have been afforded to many people by the ACA. You know, I mean, a lot of us, a lot of folks in the South, but we still have a lot of people who are uninsured, underinsured. I mean, there are still so many problems with it. But at the same time, there's a a safety net that had been extended to more people than before. They're threatening to take it away. And when you have places like your Kentuckys, your West Virginias, places that actually where people really rely on that extra government assistance because economic opportunity and and, and potential has been so heavily degraded by corporatists, whether they're Democrat or Republican. And don't 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 get it twisted. And one of my friends posts earlier that she was so disappointed in Joe Manchin, she never voted for him again. I said, dude, where you been at? He been doing this. Like people are paying attention now that people are hyper focused and aware now because of the Trump effect. But a lot of the stuff has already been happening. And someone like a Joe Manchin who has already been aligned with corporate interests over people, over their well-being, over the people that he's supposed to serve. That's 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 been since before he even became a senator. Like that man will line up where the money is. And the money for him with the industries that he aligns with, that he's a Democrat in name only. Y'all go check out my interview I did um, back before the general election, just like a day or two before, is with um, Charlotte Pruitt. Charlotte, not Pruitt. I'm sorry. I went to school with someone named Pruitt. Charlotte Pruitt. Um, just, I'm, I'm getting ready to, I'm wrapping this up because I'm actually, I'm going to cut this and I'll probably finish it later on because I'm about to bring on my guests, but, but Charlotte Pritt, you know, she was the last person to successfully defeat Joe Manchin in the state of West Virginia. Why? Because the state of West Virginia, the Democrats, this is why I left the democratic party in 2010 around there because it's Democrats as a party in West Virginia are so freaking corrupt. They are Republicans and the Republicans are some other like crazy far right, whatever. And, and, And so we cannot be surprised when people like Joe Manchin make these decisions against the betterment of people. Like that's such an impoverished state 
and you want to plunge people and plunge medical systems into dire needs, there are doctors actually begging Republican senators and congressmen to not do this. Why? Because doctors know they see it every day. So think about it. You know, there are so many different actions going on and I'm going to start tweeting out on a regular basis, like what we all can be doing. So I'm going to shift gears real quick because I'm going to try and what I'll probably do is just do a little short clip for everyone to get back to the rest of the healthcare thing. Because the healthcare thing, I didn't even realize how much that would, time that would take. But um, I want to bring on my guest tonight, Leslie. You probably have seen, not probably, I'm sure you've seen Leslie. Leslie um, was a Bernie supporter in, well, I mean, let me back up for a second. Leslie is, is, is a phenom in Florida, right? Political strategist journalists. Um, she's she's the head of the Democratic African American Women's Caucus, which endorsed Bernie in, in the primary. Um, and, and she is someone that I admire and have had a chance to talk to, but have not actually had a chance to talk to on air. So I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to her. I'm really excited for you guys to get to hear her, but I know you've heard her before because Leslie, during the general election, set, you know, the talking heads world on fire when she, you know, proclaimed that Florida was not going to be a lock for, for the Clinton campaign, particularly in terms of the lack in their Black outreach. So I don't know if you guys remember some of those interviews. There was a very powerful, well-spoken, articulate, awesome, badass Black woman that was really telling it like it is about what was happening on the ground in Florida. And a lot of people were not happy about that. And so she has not stopped telling it like it is as we're now, you know, in, in, in days away from the Florida Democratic chair uh, vote. So I'm excited to bring on my sis, Leslie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm sitting here trying to figure out who is that person you're describing. I'm like, wow, I want to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you are her. Like I told you, like you are, a, you are phenomenal. I love the writing you're doing, um, you know, and all your work and encouragement and trying to make sure that that not just black voices are heard or black women's voices are heard, but that the voice of the people are being heard, you know, at the state and local level in Florida. You know, Florida has been such an important state for, you know, when we talk about the vote at the national level. But but really looking at what you're, what you're doing on a state and local level is powerful. And I appreciate you so much for everything that you're doing. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I appreciate everything that you do because you're phenomenal yourself. Um, I am a firm believer that when black women succeed, we all succeed. And I know mm -hmm. you've heard that before, but I, I live that. We have a history of taking care of everybody, sometimes before we, well, most times before we go. And, um, you know, when I started the Democratic African American Women's Caucus, it's time for black women to have a stronger voice, mm -hmm. particularly here in Florida. Um, you know, for what we bring to the table as far as votes, because, you know, in, in 08 and 12, President Obama wouldn't be where he is if it were not for black women. And you can say that for a lot of politicians. I mean, mm -hmm. Terry exactly. in Virginia, you know, he came, he, he became the, the governor of Virginia because of black women. And you hear that all over the place. Yet, I don't think that they're appreciated for what we bring to the table. So, you know, I, I speak up, as you pointed out, I'm very outspoken. Um, during Clinton's campaign, I said that her campaign was not doing the outreach that it needed to do in black communities. 
And while most Democrats were on that bandwagon and, and trust and believe, you know, at the end of the day, I did vote for Hillary Clinton. But I wanted it to be known that as far as our community, what needed to be done was not happening. And you're right. Uh, people were in uproar about the fact that I went on national television and national radio to talk about what was not being done. And I said she was going to leave Florida. And guess what happened? I know she lost Florida, didn't she? Yeah, like I when when I saw you, I was like, whoa, like so I wanted I wanted to just like you you've been writing, I mean, well let me back up for a second. Like what you what you what you had to say during the primary was so crucial and it just seemed like nobody was willing to listen. And we saw that play out not just in Florida, we saw it play out to some extent also when you looked at Pennsylvania in terms of Philadelphia, when you looked at, you know, basically we talk about the Rust Belt, you know, Milwaukee was untouched. In t- you know, Wisconsin was not touched. Milwaukee was not touched. And there's a, a very huge Democratic Black population in Milwaukee as well. Like, what what is your, just, just, just thinking about the Democratic Party, and you just wrote a piece that just dropped um, earlier today. It's a Democratic Party, but is it really inclusive? So, like, can you just talk to me a little bit about that piece? And, like, what are your thoughts kind of coming out of this election cycle um, and, and then looking forward? Well, you know, the, when I wrote that, it I wrote it because in the Democratic Party, we always say that we're the big tent party, and, 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 and we are to a certain extent. But when it comes mm-hmm. to people of color, we're generally told that we cannot run for an elected office except in areas or districts that are uh, uh, with, with people predominantly uh, of color. When you look around, you don't see very many uh, black people representing anyone other than other black people and mm-hmm. to ask the question why is that because you can you you will go and you will see non-black people representing minority areas representing black areas no problem but the minute a black person steps outside of what is considered their lane then there's there's this uproar and um, when I was writing that piece, it was because of the piece prior that you also saw. You know, people were right. people really, really upset about my voice in Florida. And, and I won't say it's everybody because it's not. But you have a certain group of, of Democrats who love the status quo. And they feel like me speaking about what is happening in the black community or what is not happening in the black community. And, and what, I, what I mean by that is... Um, we're not getting the respect that, that we deserve. I mean, we have been the most loyal voting bloc for Democrats, you know, in, since, since we were brought here, basically, since we, we were able to vote. Um, and yet we get nothing. They don't court our vote. They expect it. And that has to stop. Um, you know, it's, it's what I call plantation politics. Um, it's considered that, you know, you're going to vote Democrat no matter what, whether we address your issues, whether we do anything for your issues or not, you're going to vote Democrat. And we have to stand up and we have to say, no, it's not going to happen that way. You know, we we have issues in our education system. We have issues in criminal justice. And you can't just come around every election cycle and say, you can't just come around, I commiserate with you. I sympathize with you. I empathize with you. And then I'll be back next time I want your vote. And that's what happened. Um, so when I was writing that piece, I said, you know, if we're really inclusive, 
then we should be able to go into any Democratic district, regardless of what we look like, and be able to compete. And that doesn't happen. And the example that I used was Senator Dwight Bullard. And um, as you know, he's running for FDP chair, and you have a certain segment of the Democratic Party here in Florida that they do not want him to be the chair of the party. Let's just put it straight out there. They do not want him to be the chair of the party. And one of the things that they criticized him for was he lost his district, uh, the Senate District 40. And there was redistricting that happened, and it made the district uh, predominantly Hispanic as opposed to um, what his district was before, which was predominantly African-American. Now, in the district, what, what his critics what they said was Hillary Clinton won that district overwhelmingly, which she did. And yet Dwight Bullard lost, I think it was by almost 10 points. And he lost it to a, a Republican. And it wasn't just an ordinary Republican, Anoa. It was a Republican who was very, I mean, he's almost like a Tea Party Republican. It, it, it actually wasn't even almost, he is very extreme. So you cannot tell me that, that the, the voters in this Democratic district identified with this extreme right-wing Republican more so than this Democrat who has fought for every issue, every issue that Democrats say that they hold near and dear. You can't tell me that. So there had to be something else. And that something else is we're not really as inclusive as we like people to believe. Um, one of the things that they did not like that I said when I went on national television is, yes, you have racism in the Republican Party, but you have racism in the Democratic Party as well. And we get it, and we get it all the time, and yet we're not supposed to speak about it. But then here you have me, this black woman Democrat, who is speaking about it. And is speaking loudly about it. And what's really, really upsetting them is, is one of the platforms is a conservative media. And they just feel like there's no way I'm supposed to be on this conservative media outlet saying whatever it is that I say. But, you know, my philosophy is this. The truth is the truth no matter whose mouth it comes out of and no matter where it comes from. And what the truth is, is the, the African-American vote has been taken for granted by the Democratic Party for a very long time, and that has to stop. Yep, yep, absolutely. I absolutely agree. I know we talk, we talk, and I think that, that goes back into the piece you wrote right before, right before New Year's. Um, I think it was entitled Fear of the Black Man and Woman. Um, and, and, and it's like, you know, I know a lot of people are like, well, why you got to talk about race or why you got to get into that? But, but, but no, for real, like there's a real serious issue, like you said, within the democratic party. And it's like, we're, we're good enough to turn out the vote. We're good enough to be those super volunteers stress on the word volunteer because folks don't try to pay us for, for our work and our time involved in stuff. And, and we're also, we're, we're good when you need to get us, you know, when you need that vote, like you said, um, souls to the poll, all the little catchy things they come up with. But when it comes time to taking leadership, because that's a very that's a very interesting, you know, when you lay it out like that, like how did Dwight Bullard lose his district to such a starch, you know, uh, 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 someone who's so starkly different 
when Hillary won overwhelmingly, but but there were machinations involved too with the Democratic Party and sending up who would be who was going to get the Golden Seal approval from President Obama, from what I noticed. And Dwight's name was one of the names that was not on that magical list. And and, well, that, and, and you know that was another thing that I had an issue with um, because first of all, let's be clear, President Obama really didn't know any on that list. That was a list that was compiled by the Florida Democratic Party. And you're right, Dwight was left off. And you have to ask yourself, why would you, in a race that you knew was very important, why would you leave him out? And, and there was only one African-American on that list. Now, here you have, you know, the first, <laughs> the first African-American president. And when it came to technology, of, our of found- candidates to endorse, and you have one, one African-American or black uh, uh, candidate on that list. There was a problem with that. And, you know, just to give you a little background, um, the party, the, uh, people in the party wanted Dwight to move out of his And to his credit, he said, you know, I'm here to, to, to represent people. They don't have to be black, brown, white, purple, or whatever. I'm here to represent people. And the party didn't see it that way. They wanted someone else to represent that district. And because of that, you know, they did not give him the support that they should have given him. But to go back to what my piece said, you know, I said instead of Dwight being the person that's criticized, it's those Democrats, in my opinion, that should be criticized. You pushed aside what you believe in. Because you didn't want this particular man to represent you. What does that say about our party? What does that say about us? Does it say that we're really as inclusive as we want people to believe? No, it doesn't. And, you know, I've been raised to clean my own house before I clean somebody else's. So while we're pointing the finger at the Republicans, we have to, we have to do better. We have to do better ourselves. I mean, you know, let, me, let, let me point this out to you as well. Um, we've never had an African-American chair here in, in Florida. And I believe, um, if I'm correct about this, I think it was Marcus Farrell, and I, and I know you know him, who said that there's only been one in all 50 states. There's a problem there if we're supposed to be so accepting and accommodating as we say we are. We, we, it, it's like they tell us to stay in our lane. You can only be elected if you're governing other black people. Now, Anoa, I have a problem with that, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Marcus, Marcus just posted something, I'm trying to think of what city it is in Arizona because my mind just went blank. But um, he, he just posted yesterday, I think it was, with the first black woman mayor of, I'm trying to think of what city it is. I'll, it'll come to me. But um, uh, he was just saying, yeah, so tell me what, the, uh, I guess that demographic argument fails. I mean, like you just said, if it's a good person with good policies and they're qualified for the job, why wouldn't we put them forward regardless of who's in the district, right? And I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I mean, but we, we've seen this happening. We've seen this happening time and time again. Um, because even when we look at the 2008 race for President Obama, how he was being told, oh, he needs to wait his turn. Oh, you know, it's not your time, da da da, da. I mean, we need to be able to really develop a truly uh, robust crop of candidates. Just, just talk about whether it's our state and local elections, whether we're talking about, you know, congressional or pre- even presidential elections going forward. We got to make sure we're actually 
supporting everyone, right? We, we gotta, we, we can't have the best possible candidate if you're not choosing from all your candidate, potential candidates. If you're, if you're excluding people and like you just said, you know, you're saying that because I don't, I don't want this person to represent me, not because they're not a good person, not because they haven't done a good job, not because they wouldn't do a good job because I don't like them because I don't, because I don't like them because I have this one issue over here because that's the elephant in the room for a lot of this stuff, whether it's happening in Florida, whether it's the conversation that's happening to some extent around Keith Ellison nationally, there is a certain population. It's not just, you know, the Democratic Party not appreciating Black people. There's a certain there's a certain segment of donors and people who have certain allegiances not to this country but to another country and another and you know and other politics that dictates who is worthy and who is allowed to run for office and who isn't. And it seems like there's an unfair litmus test that is often held against Black officials when they're trying to get into office that that you can find similar concerns or issues with maybe white people who run for office and that same issue is not raised up. And I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the issue with, with, with Israel and support for Palestine and that whole, that whole it doesn't, it shouldn't, we, we as Democrats, like you said, as a big tent party, even if we don't all agree on how that situation should be resolved, the fact that there is a faction within the Democratic Party that no matter whatever else is happening, that one issue shuts everything else down, that's a problem. And we and the party cannot continue to actually operate productively in that manner because then you're just being republican light or Republican-ish. Well, you know what? I wrote a piece, um, and, and I don't want to keep harping on Well, yes, I do, because I'm, I'm very supportive of Dwight Bullard. I wrote a piece called The Lynching of Dwight Bullard. And the reason I did that was because um, th that same segment that you're talking about was threatening to withdraw their financial support from the Florida Democratic Party if he became chair. And what I pointed out to them was this. Hillary Clinton raised gobs of money. She, she outraised Donald Trump by a lot. And yet she is in the woods taking selfies and he's getting ready to become the 45th president of the United States. So what I pointed out to the main person who was saying, hey, you know, I raised a million dollars for Hillary Clinton in Florida and I'm not going to do this, that, and the other. I said, well, okay, you raised a million dollars, but we didn't, uh, her, her African-American percentages were not as high as, as Barack Obama's in 2008 and 2012. Dollars don't walk into a poll booth. Voters do. So if any Democrat wants to, wants to be elected statewide in Florida, they're going to need a substantial turnout of the African-American vote. And that's just the way it is. So I said, you know, somebody better check this. And I meant it. And I think that's one of the things that they, they have with me. You know, I say what I mean and I mean what I say. You know, we're not going to let this man be persecuted the way that he is because you decided that you don't like him. You know, if we're all going to come together, we don't, we, we're never going to agree on everything 100%. No one does. I mean, I don't even agree with myself sometimes. But to be treated the way that he was treated was just ridiculous. And I didn't see anyone else standing up. And, you know, I, I've always learned that, hey, at some point I'm going to want somebody to stand up for me. So I'm definitely going to stand up when I see someone who's being treated unfairly. And that's what I did. Um, 
you know, I wish that a lot more uh, of our elected officials would do that. Now, you, you mentioned Keith Ellison, and I, I just have to get this off my chest. In this race here, um, Keith Ellison endorsed um, Dwight, one of Dwight Bullard's opponents. And um, I, I couldn't figure out why. And, and, and I still would like to speak to him if, if, if ever that's possible. But I don't like the games that are played where um, because there's a group of people who don't like me, and this is from Keith Ellison's perspective, and I'm speaking about, you know, the Jewish segment that, you know, have a problem with him. He endorsed Stephen Patel because he wanted to curry favor with, with Jewish voters. So once again, Dwight Bullard was thrown under the bus. How can we expect anyone else to respect us? when we're not respecting ourselves. And, and I say that to mean Keith Ellison knows that Dwight Bullard is a progressive and matches up with him more so than Stephen Battelle ever could or ever would. Why on earth would you do that? Do, do you see where I'm coming from? So if we're not going to stand up for what's right, how can we expect anybody else to do it? I mean, you like again, sis, you right on point. If, if we not gonna stand up, I mean, you know, like like I was I didn't, even though I'm not even gonna pretend like I actually celebrate Kwanzaa all the way, but the but you know, thinking about the the um principles, Kujachakalia, self-determination, you know, defining ourselves for ourselves, by ourselves. If we're not even able to do it ourselves, how can we ever expect anyone else to do it, you know, you know, for us? And something else you were talking about, we were just talking about how, you know, just the internal fight, the internal struggle, it seems like not just for progressives as a whole, but being progressive, like progressive while black, driving while black, progressive while black, it seems to be such a struggle internally when we're talking about this left, because either you're not progressive enough because you're not adhering to this purity politics that certain progressive individuals or groups, you know, say you have to to be progressive or you're not black enough because you're talking about these issues that aren't these issues that were that are the bread and butter you know traditional black political issues that we talk about and so you know you know with with you and your organization you you were a Bernie Sanders supporter and, and have been you know um in this space as well like how do you see us being able to continue to build like our voice and power right within this quote-unquote progressive movement as we move forward and try to resist trump and all the other stuff but also you know not just within within our space in terms of you know being black progressives but just in as a whole like i just love the way you charge forward and i just was just wondering like like how do you see our our ability just in this space to continue to grow and and, and exercise our, our 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 voice and reason and influence you know we have to start looking at issues. And, um, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And for us as a community, we really have to start looking at issues. Because some things don't affect us the same way that it affects other communities. Um, take, for instance, the uh, restoration of felons' rights. That's something that's very important to us, but it's not really important, although it should be, not really important to other people. So, you know, here in Florida, you know, there's a guy here by the name of Desmond Meade. That man has worked tirelessly 
tirelessly to push forward that issue. And, you know, I've sat and I've watched it, and, and he, he does not get the same type of support for that uh, from the Democratic Party as other, other groups and their issues. So, you know, for Black people, we have to start looking at our issues more than the party. And I know that sounds bad to some people, but we have to start saying to these elected officials, if you are not going to address my issue, the issue that is important to me, you're not going to get my vote. We have to stop giving our votes for nothing. I mean, you see these people courting, you know, other people's votes. And because we have it, and, and I, have to, I have to say this, Noah, we are guilty of, of allowing this to happen because we, we typically vote, you know, what, 97, 98% Democrat, no matter what. But we're, we're guilty of this, too. We, we, you know, we've allowed them to take our votes for granted. But we have to start saying, we have to start insisting to all elected officials, you know, whether they're black, white, purple, green, whatever, you have to address our issues and stop just saying, oh, it's a Democrat, so I'm going to vote for that Democrat. Well, you know what? You've got to make sure that Democrat is taking care of your community and not just coming around and saying, hey, how are you? It's election time. I'm a Democrat. Vote for me. Well, if that Democrat isn't doing anything to better your community and to help you with your issues and do not give that democrat your vote it's as simple as that that's what i say and that's why they don't want to hear me or they don't want they don't want anyone else to hear me because it's time out for just giving our votes for nothing i mean even even with elected officials but let's not let's step away from that for a second let's look at political consultants do you realize how many black political consultants the Democratic Party utilizes, even to get out the vote in, in black communities? Do you realize how poorly we, the Democratic Party does by, by black political consultants? Sorry, I muted myself. Yeah, I mean, you, you come on, like, I'm, I'm just going to let you continue because you're on a roll there. Like, all I can do is just not mad, like, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, we. I think there was a study that was done a few years ago, and I think Donna Brazil was quoted in an article talking about it. They they spent like two percent, two percent. And when you look at a community of a voting block that gives you ninety seven, ninety eight percent of their vote, and you only spend two percent on on black political consultants, there's a problem there. And, you know, when I was saying what I was saying during the, um, the general election about the Clinton campaign not doing proper outreach, well, you know, you can't come around two, three weeks before it's time for general election and just say, hey, you know, today souls to the polls, let's go vote, when you're not actually, first of all, you're not that likable of a candidate to begin with. Let's let's just keep it real. I mean, you know, she wanted to to use these surrogates to to for black people to to just say, okay, Barack Obama says to vote for you, Michelle Obama says to vote for you, so we're going to vote. For, well, you know what? It doesn't work that way anymore, because you know we remembered some of the things that Barack and Michelle Obama said about her in 08. So, 
you know, that, that part didn't work. And what I was saying was she needed to, to get into the community and really plead her case because we were not feeling her. We, we were not feeling her. And that wasn't done. And I know that with the consultants that were hired, um, it was a money issue. They weren't getting the money that they got from the ad buys. They wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten from actually getting into the black communities and, and, and really trying to get black people to feel Hillary Clinton. I mean, people were saying, hey, I'm going to vote, but I'm not going to vote for president because I don't want Hillary or Donald. And instead of trying to actually do something, you know, she had in Liberty City and, in, in, you know, near Miami, they had Pusha T come. First of all, he didn't even perform. All he did was introduce Tim Kaine. Yet J-Lo performed in Miami. Now, isn't something wrong with that? Yeah, like well, that was something we were talking about too. Um, I think Pharrell did a get out the vote something in North Carolina. One of my cousins said in pajama pants. Um, did not he just? I think he showed up and was like, "Get out the vote," and, and they were upset because they were like, "He didn't even have nerd put on real pants to talk to us." Um, you know yeah. when, when they saw no, when they saw that they were really in trouble, and then in Ohio uh, brought out Beyonce and I just let me tell you what's going to happen. People are going to go to that concert. They're going to have a, a funky good time and then go home. And guess what? Guess what? She lost Ohio, didn't she? I mean, and let's, let's talk about the fact that she didn't even go to Wisconsin. And I was told that, you know, it was the same type of situation in Philadelphia. You know, they were not engaging the community because they just assumed that, that, that black people were just going to vote for her just because, just because. And we have to stop allowing our votes to be taken for granted like that. You know, that's, that's just the bottom line. We have to do that. And we have to start speaking up and start speaking out. You know, what the things that I say and know, it, they're not new. And I'm not the first one to have said it. You know, just more people need to do it. And we need, we need to, the, our, our words have to have consequences and, and we have to have follow through. And I always say that too, you know, I, I, I love the 60s and the civil rights movements back then because they had follow through. And that's what we have to, to have nowadays. I mean, you know, I see, I see a lack of follow through, you know. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and you're right. We do have to speak up. We have to continue not just sharing our stories and our experiences, but actually helping to use our voices to drive and move work forward to get people engaged. That's why I do appreciate the writing that you're doing. Um, I know you get some flack from some other, well, what, what they say? Legacy journalists, the code language they're oh using down there about you. Yeah. Um but, 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 but you're bringing a perspective that isn't really being shared anywhere else, at least in the Sunshine State and, and possibly, you know, in, in certain other pockets of the South. Um, I, I just, as, we, as we, we only have a few minutes left or whatever, as we're wrapping up, I just want to just, just kind of thinking about, you know, with what do you think like going forward? You know, where should we be focusing? I, I absolutely agree with you about we need to be on issue. We need to be issue-driven, issue-focused. You know, how do we, you know, start building out these conversations and this movement and really getting people to change the narrative moving forward? Well, with shows like yours, because uh, I'm sure you have a, a huge audience that's listening, you know, we just have to, it's a communication thing. I mean, different organizations like my Demo Democratic African-American Women Caucus, 
um, you guys and your starting uh, impact. Um, we, we, it's, the more educated we are about the situation, the more that we can change things. I mean, you, you know, right now you have a lot of people who are apathetic. So organizations that, that get into the community and that say, hey, you know, we can make a difference because we can. I think, you know, electing Dwight Bullard, um, Florida Democratic Party chair, will be a huge step, not just for Florida, but for the entire country. Because I think it's going to show that, you know, uh, electing President Obama was not a fluke, that, you know, there is hope for the Democratic Party. Um, I, just, I just think that we have to continue um, doing what we're all doing because, you, you know, we, we can't allow the status quo to remain. And we're going we're gonna to run into a lot of people who want to maintain their power base. Um, things the way that they are, you know, and, and we just have to, we have to keep doing what we're doing. I have to come back on your show. I have to continue writing. Um, you know, that's just what we have to do. Absolutely. Definitely continue writing. Definitely come back on the show. You are, you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Um, you know, and then also, you know, I do a podcast, so we, we can podcast, we can do anything. We don't have to just be combined to Wednesday right now, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. live. Um, cause, cause I, 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 my podcast, my little growing podcast is on iTunes and stuff too. So we, we can, we can do whatever. I, I absolutely appreciate you taking the time because I do know that you, you are, you're making moves. Um, what's next with, uh, Democratic African American Women's Caucus? What do you, what are you guys working on locally? What's. Well, we actually do candidate training sessions okay. right now we're working yeah right now we, we actually did one um we had nina turner we had lena taylor um we had Billy gary uh we're working on our next one and we're putting together the list of people that we're going to have down um we you know people have made some great suggestions but um we're just going to do our events and continue to try to um make our community aware and Actually, let me point out, too, that uh, the DAAWC does have members that are, you know, we aren't just limited to African-American women. We have members of all walks of life because, you know, true people who are aware do realize that, you know, like I said earlier, once black women succeed, everybody succeeds because we take care of everybody. Um, you know, we're just going to continue working and focusing on uh, getting out to vote and, and getting black women elected. Um, getting great candidates elected, not just necessarily black women, um, and doing our thing. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much, sis, for taking the time. Uh, again, anytime we can hop on uh, and, and chop it up, got a new article out, you know, you guys go check out. And, and, and if I send you guys to somebody on Twitter, don't be harassing them. Like it's one thing if you disagree with something, but don't be don't be abusive on Twitter. And if y'all see people uh, messing with my girl, definitely you know they because they be trying to come for her because she is she 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 she's strong, proud, you know, beautiful black woman handling business down in Florida, and 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 they, it's really some nastiness that has come her way as of late. Um, but sis, again, I appreciate you, and and I'm a, we're gonna pin it there. Um, definitely check her out on Twitter. Uh, I have your tweets. I have your Twitter. Tw women on the move one. Women on the at women on the move one on Twitter. Um, and you know, um, this is Wave with Fanoa. Appreciate all the patrons. If you're feeling in a given mood, you got a dollar, got a two, because I'm about to start new new Patreon only content like Ben does. Tea time with Nunu. 
Um, you guys can join me for a little bit of tea. I'm getting ready to get out of here because Ben is getting ready to come behind me. But I just want to say, you know, uh, Leslie gave us a lot to think about. And definitely we need to be focused on the issues. We need to be issue driven and we actually need to be at the local level, working in the community, talking with people, building and listening, listening and listening, not just to respond, listening to understand and listening to build. Right. That's what we need to be doing. Um, we're going to start, you know, collecting information, sharing information about things that are going on as best we can with you. Check out Occupy Inauguration. Oh, yeah, that's right. Progressive Army. We're trying to deploy the Progressive Army at the inauguration for, 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 for to cover the resistance live. Um, and we have a GoFundMe set up to try, you know, I'm down here in Atlanta. We got Ben. We got Michael Salomon. I mean, we got an all-star crew trying to come together to provide coverage. We're going to hopefully meet up with some folks like Michael Tracy, hopefully Tim Black, you know, connect with our near and dear friends from afar to bring you really excellent coverage like we did during the DNC. Um, so that is the way for no the way with way for Noah. <laughs> the way with the Noah for this evening. I appreciate you so much. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me. And we're thank out. Thank you for having me. The way.